In this spring sermon series, which we have titled, A Community We Can Call Home, we are reflecting on the ways we share life in community and are called by God's Spirit to be a community. We chose this series in anticipation of coming back together soon, in part because we are very mindful of the ways in which the time apart has stretched us and challenged us to really think about what ties us together as a community of faith. If we claim that the church is not the building, then what is at the core of who we are as a group of people? Last week, Kent preached on how the early church was called into being at the Pentecost event. Today, I will follow up on that theme by looking at the early gatherings of believers to identify what made that group of diverse people a unique community and to see if those early gatherings can offer us any guidance for today. In my reflection on our texts for this sermon, with the serious topic of a community we can call home in mind, I whittled down to one essential point. How do these scriptures answer the question, what is a Christian community? We will hear today two readings from scripture. The first reading is from John 13. Jesus's commandment to the disciples given on the night of his arrest, just before his crucifixion, the commandment that said that after he was gone from them, they were to love one another. Then we've put Jesus's commandment to love one another together with scripture from a second reading from Acts that tells us the ways in which the new believers put Jesus's commandment into action. The reading from Acts 2 picks up just after the Pentecost event, which we heard about last week. You'll remember that many people of varying backgrounds speaking different languages were gathered together at the temple, and they were suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit and were able to understand one another, even though the languages they spoke were different. Inspired, Peter preached a sermon calling people to change their hearts and lives and be baptized into God's promises made known in Christ. Many people accepted Peter's call and were baptized and brought into a community of believers on that day. Today's reading from Acts describes the actions and behaviors that made this diverse group of believers into a united community. As the scripture is read, listen for how this group were bonded by things like their devotion to learning from the apostles, to their shared sense of awe at God's work among them, to eating and praying and praising God together. And then consider how this early community's actions might fulfill Jesus's commandment to love one another. Let's listen as the scripture is read. As we prepare to hear the scripture read, let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, open our hearts and minds to the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. In your precious name, Jesus, amen. 
Our readings for today come from John 13, 34 through 36, and Acts 2, 42 through 47. I give you a new commandment, love each other, just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I am going, you can't follow me now, but you will follow later. Continuing in Acts, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Before we heard the readings, I shared that my starting point was the question, what is a Christian community? If I asked you that, how would you answer that question? You know the answer is probably going to be different depending on who you ask. And every Christian community might answer differently. And there's a million different Christian communities in the world. Well, I don't know that for sure. That's not an exact number. But there are approximately 45,000 different Christian denominations in the world. There are more than 200 denominations of Christianity in the United States. Narrowing down just to Santa Rosa, an unscientific internet search led me to a page that listed 82 different Christian churches in Santa Rosa, along with several pages listing best 10 churches in Santa Rosa and best 22 non-denominational churches in Santa Rosa. First of all, how do you determine that kind of ranking? What makes one church better than another? Preaching style? Music? Pre-pandemic, maybe we could rate the quality of snacks and drinks, whether they have chairs or pews. Secondly, these best of lists imply that churches are in competition with one another, enough so that we should be ranked. Are we in competition with one another? Sometimes it feels like it. Honestly, the pandemic has sparked some anxiety amongst not just our congregation, but other congregations, as I hear, I hear as I talk to other pastors, that with closures and online services and reopenings in other places, if we don't get open fast enough or in just the right way, then people are going to go elsewhere. Some other place imagined to be better which ratchets up a kind of fearful, competitive spirit. And with 82 churches in Santa Rosa, there's plenty of places to go. And all those churches 
will answer the question, what is a Christian community slightly differently? So if everyone answers the question differently, let's go back to basics and check out what the Bible says about what made the earliest group of believers who gathered together a community. John 13, 34 through 36, reminds us that Jesus commanded the disciples to love one another. And that was how the world would know that they were his disciples, that they loved one another, even after he was gone. After Jesus was gone from the earth, the book of Acts describes how those followers he left behind continued to gather together to worship, to minister, and to spread the word about Jesus. This was how they put their love for one another into action. Acts 2 tells us that after the Pentecost event and Peter's invitation of baptism to the crowd, God brought about 3,000 people into the community that day. 3,000 diverse people were brought together in baptism, and after that they began to function as a community in several ways. Notice that the baptism and the conversion or confession of faith marks people as believers in Christ, but believing alone doesn't make them a community. It's the actions that follow, the things that they do together, that unite them. First, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles were originally designated from among Jesus' closest followers or disciples to spread the message of Jesus. Apostle literally means to send off. The apostles were sent out to spread the message. Essentially, they were commissioned to teach. People like Peter, who witnessed to Jesus as the Christ, and spread Jesus' teachings and the message of his resurrection. So first and foremost, at their core, this community of believers was devoted to learning from the apostles about Jesus Christ. Second, the text says the believers were devoted to the community. Here the word is koinonia in the biblical Greek which has no direct English counterpart and is translated in all kinds of ways. Fellowship, sharing in common, intimacy, partnership, contact, community. So the believers were devoted to knowing one another, socializing, partnering with each other, sharing life together. And some of the ways that the people did that, besides learning about Christ together, were through shared prayers and meals. Next comes one of my favorite parts of this passage. A sense of awe came over them. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. A sense of awe came over them. These believers were in awe of God's activity in their community. In this case, they were experiencing signs and wonders through the apostles. Acts tells us of healings that the apostles like Peter and John were able to perform. One way to think of this sense of awe is that they were alert to how God was active among them. 
they felt God was really alive and real to them and at work among them and around them, and they were in awe of God's presence. Fourth, all the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. This brings us back to Koinonia, this community, united in their belief in Christ, the one who taught that they should love one another, shared everything based on needs, distributing funds to people in the community who needed to be cared for, and possibly also shared with others outside the group of believers because Jesus commanded that they love their neighbors. Fifth, the believers met together every day in the temple and also ate together in their homes. This is a time when believers in Christ were of Jewish background and the temple was still central to their lives. So Acts tells us that they would meet together at the temple and then go to one another's homes for a meal. In eating together in their homes, these early believers in Christ likely would have shared the Lord's Supper as part of their meal. Acts describes that they shared food with gladness and simplicity, and the word for gladness has a meaning of exuberant joy, and the word for simplicity also has a connotation of sincerity. So they broke bread together with joy and gladness, and these weren't elaborate feasts, but a time of sincere, simple sharing of a meal in fellowship together. Sixth, Acts tells us the believers praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. In demonstrating God's goodness, they extended grace to one another. The word for goodness here is charis, which means grace. They shared the benefit of God's grace with one another. As a community, they praised God they had gratitude for God's grace, and they extended that grace to others around them. This includes the material goods and foods that they shared, and also a sense of forgiveness and fellowship. Finally, Acts says, the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. This is important. They weren't a closed community. The community was open and changing, yet their core of sharing together in fellowship remained. Of course, for this early community, everything was alive and fresh as they were learning how to be together, generally outside of the religious institutions of their day. The group of believers were in a kind of honeymoon period before major conflicts arose among them and conflicts arose for sure. Conflict with religious and political leaders in Jerusalem, and eventually, as the Christian movement grew, conflict amongst each other and amongst various congregations as the church became an institution. But in the earliest days, the believers gathered as a community to devote themselves to teaching and learning about Jesus, to get to know one another, to share in fellowship, to support one another and those in need in their community, to pray, to worship, to praise God, 
and to eat together. And they did these things simply, sincerely, with joy, and in a spirit of awe in God's presence, and in a spirit of extending God's grace to other people. I started with asking, how do these scriptures answer the question, what is a Christian community? And Acts 2, chapters 42 through 47, Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, answers by giving us a sense of the essential ingredients of a vibrant Christian community as a diverse group of people drawn together in a spirit of cooperation and fellowship with a common purpose to witness to Christ with gladness, simplicity, and in awe of God's grace. So how might this text speak to us today? Well, first, sort of like the earliest believers, we are in a strange, new, never-before-seen era. While there have been times of great illness and pandemic, never before have we had the technology to enable us to simultaneously safeguard our community from disease as best we can, while still being able to worship together and have various forms of fellowship and communion. That kind of technology feels commonplace now and can be easy to take for granted, but it's pretty amazing that I can be in my house and you can be in yours and we can still communicate about Jesus. Many of us from church have met online to study and to break bread and to support one another. And those who are not able to be online have been sent CDs of the worship services and many, many caring phone calls and outdoor masked visits have been made when it was safe and prayers have been said. Additionally, funds have been given and shared among many in need in our church community and with the wider community. These activities I just named are so similar to the community of early believers how amazing is that? Like the early believers who were in awe of the signs and wonders of God's activity among them, let's be in grateful awe of God's activity among us now. Let's praise God for goodness and providing the tools we need to maintain essential ingredients of a vibrant Christian community in this difficult year. Second, let us remember that other churches in the area and beyond are our brothers and sisters in Christ. The pandemic has caused anxiety, challenged us, and stretched us as a community. And it's normal and natural to worry and whisper about people quote-unquote church shopping as other churches handle the transition to in-person worship differently than we do. Let's assume that each church is discerning the way forward as best they can. And envisioning competition am among us is a worldly illusion that places a wedge where there need not be one. Each church will answer the question, what is a Christian community differently? Each community is who they are because of the people who come together. 
But the Bible tells us that we have all come from the same small community of believers that worship God made known to us in Christ. And therefore, we are one in spirit, if not in practice. Let's cultivate a sense of unity with our fellow Christians and have faith that God is alive to our own church and to others. From the scriptures we reflected on today, it seems that the early believing community cultivated was cultivated not from a spirit of fear of people leaving the community, but from a spirit that was open, joyful, and inviting. Let's keep that sense of openness as well. Additionally, as we anticipate and plan for coming together in person in our church community soon, Let's keep the essential ingredients of Christian community that we saw in Acts in mind. We are all shook up, and worship and fellowship just isn't going to be the same as it was before, even when we're in the building. Let's not get lost in remembering how things used to be and caught up in criticizing how they are. Instead, let's gather together in the spirit of the new believers who were changed by the Pentecost event with attention on the core of loving one another, devoting ourselves to learning, staying alert to God's activity among us, praying and praising God together with gladness and simplicity, and demonstrating God's goodness to everyone. Finally, a community is the people, and people are the community. You are unique and important. Every single one of us make up the community of First Presbyterian Church. Whether you're listening at home and have never set foot in the building, or whether you've been a pillar of First Presbyterian Church for 40 years, each of us is united by the Spirit as one body beloved by God, and that's good news. Yes, it is good news that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, continues to call us into community with each other and with Christ, now and forever. Thanks be to God. Amen.